Welcome again to those worshiping online as well as those of you worshiping in this space. We're glad that you're joining along with us. At this time, we invite you to hear from the word of the Lord from Psalm 28. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. 
The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. My heart leaps for joy, and I will give thanks to him in song. Let me invite you to stand and worship with us. I don't know how many kids or if there are kids here that would be going down to worship this morning, but this is your chance to go down and worship downstairs. If you need help finding a spot, right in the doorway is a teacher that will help you. Would you pray with me using the words of Psalm 148? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, heavenly hosts. 
Praise him, sun and moon, shining stars, highest heavens and waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at his command they were created, and he established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, winds that do his bidding, mountains and hills, trees and cedars, animals and cattle, small creatures, flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. Good and holy God, we gather in your name this morning to worship and praise you, not for our sakes, but for your glory, God. We praise you for being a faithful father, a victorious savior, and a powerful spirit in all things, big and small. We thank you for the freedom to gather in your name. We thank you for being present among us here. Move through this place, Holy Spirit, that we may all be changed and go from here into the world as a clear reflection of you to the world around us. We pray for our watershed community this morning as they hear from a candidate. God, may you go before that community and with them and bring to them the person of your choosing. We thank you again that JB and Yvonne and their family uh, will be transitioning here and we ask for continued blessings on them as they make those plans. We thank you for our other pastors, our staff and our council as they continue to lead us in these uncertain times and times of constant change. Thank you, God, be with them. We lay before you, God, those in this church family who have lost a loved one this week. Um, we hold them close, God, as much as we can in our uh, scenario in the world around us, but God, we know you are holding them close. Thank you that we can grieve with hope, and thank you that death is not the end. We lift up those, God, in our communities who are suffering with COVID or other illnesses. Bring healing and full restoration, Lord, here in our local community and in our world. We have never needed you more, Jesus. We pray for wise leaders who will seek your will in all things. Heal our nation, Lord, we pray. There are those in our community here and in our greater community struggling. We know you love them even more than we ever could. We pray that you would heal physical hurts, emotional hurts, spiritual hurts. May we all be drawn closer to you each and every day, Father. Bless us now as Pastor Aaron brings your word and hear these prayers. In the all-powerful name of Jesus, amen. We are thankful for Pastor Aaron this morning to bring our word. Thanks, Joan. Well, morning, Fusion community. You can do better than that. Morning. <laughs> it's good to see you all. And uh, as, as Joan prayed, we have a candidate, Rick Boomsma, over at Watershed. And what does that do for me this morning? It allows me to be with you. So I, I'm blessed to be able to share God's word and to worship with you this morning, uh, to be, be together. And again, uh, as we're together in person, as we're together virtually, praise God that the Holy Spirit moves, moves within us, dwells within us, and ministers to our hearts and our minds. We've been in a series, Pastor Bill has been uh, leading you all through this series, um, but it's my first chance to dive in here. Surprise, you belong. Um, I love just the whole idea of this series, the fact that God is, is welcoming us, welcoming anybody and everybody through his amazing grace and love. And uh, in particular, throughout this series, it's been people that we least expected. And I don't know if there's a better story that illustrates this, this other than the story we're in this morning. It's the woman at the well, as, as many people would know. And, and for those of you who don't, this Samaritan woman that Jesus is going to interact with. Now, this story, I got to warn you, is a little long this morning, 42 verses. And uh, I'm going to read them all. 
so I hope you're ready for it. Um, but we're going to do something a little different. I put up some different artwork in pictures because sometimes I think we see lots of words and we kind of get lost in that. But I want you to pay attention to those pictures. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to follow along if you feel free, certainly to do that if you have your own Bibles and want to want to do that. But, but listen to God's word this morning as we dive in. We're going to be in the book of John, so we're in the New Testament, that thin part of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the fourth book. John 4, Jesus has just talked to a religious leader, Nicodemus, who came to him in the night. And, and kind of left with questions. And throughout the book of John, Nicodemus will come back. Uh, so he, he takes a little bit longer to come around on this Jesus character. Uh, however, the next person Jesus meets is one of those people that surprises us, that, that captivates our minds, our hearts, makes us see again the extent to God's grace and mercy. So John chapter 4, starting in verse 1, let's hear God's word together this morning. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees, so those religious leaders, they had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although in fact it wasn't Jesus who was baptizing, but the disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. And when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Now his disciples had gone to go buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Then John puts a little note there. He says, For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Now Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with from the well, and, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and their livestock? Well, Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water, right? She's still stuck on the physical water. He told her, well, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, well, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you're now, and you now have is, is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You and Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and the worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Well, just then his disciples returned, right? They were gone getting food. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. Right, we'll get to that in just a moment. But no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? I think at this point in time, the disciples learned that Jesus does some things that don't quite make sense to them, and maybe it's best not to say anything. <laughs> Nonetheless, they, they, they go, leaving the, her water jar, however, the woman, as they come up, the woman went back to her town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. 
Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. Right? They, were, they went into town to get some food. Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until the harvest? Well, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows, another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Now many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him, in Jesus. Because of the woman's testimony, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to them, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, I love this passage of Scripture. It's a, a passage that I think is a well in and of itself. That every time you come to it, you put the bucket down and it comes up with more water, more life, and something different. I can't tell you how many sermons I've preached on this or Bible studies I've been a part of. And yet, every time I come back, something new comes to mind. Pastor Bill and I were talking about, well, how many verses do you read this week, right? How many, what are you going to focus on? I couldn't help but tell the whole story. Why? Because the whole story spoke something to me and I think can speak something to us today. And that is, as we look at this woman, this Samaritan woman, she meets Jesus, right? And there's, this, there's a lot of stuff that, that on the surface looks like one thing, however, something else is going on, right? That there's misunderstandings that for this limit or this woman will say there are things that seem to make it difficult for her to see Jesus in the life that's right in front of her. Right? She can't comprehend this Jesus. He asked for some water and she's confused and he goes, Well, you know, let me tell you, if you were you were aware of who I was, man, you would you'd be begging me for water, huh? Right, so I want to look at what are some of the things that make it a little difficult that stand in the way of her seeing this morning. I'm going to, first thing, yeah, I think I'll, I'm still, okay, I have to confess. I just got over dealing with COVID and I'm getting my breath back if you've got had, experienced that and sometimes I have this like COVID brain too so as I try to get my breath and my brain together I find myself going blah, blah, blah. so forgive me if there's any more of those this morning but nonetheless what is the first thing we see we hear this this morning in verse 9 the Samaritan woman said to him you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman how can you ask me for a drink and again, John is kind enough to say, for the Jews do not associate with the Samaritans. There are some issues here. There are some things that, that make this situation strange for her. Catch her off guard. Catch the, the disciples off guard as well later. A, as a guy, you don't approach a woman and start talking to, to her in that culture and in that day. Unless your intentions are um, of a different sort. We'll just put it that way. Right? The, to, to interact, to engage, this woman was a woman in truly a man's world. She is not one who would find it normal to go, oh, okay, here's a guy just talking to me as a regular. And, and here's a teacher as well, because rabbis oftentimes did not train females either. So her gender and the gender differences became something uh, of a wall for her to work through, something that challenged her ability to see clearly Jesus and the life he was offering. Not only was she a woman, though, she was a Samaritan woman. And if you've engaged the story of Jews and Samaritans and in the New Testament, we, we know that they don't get along. 
Uh, we, I, 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 really, there's no better way to put it, but if you look at the racial divisions in our country, what we have today in America barely holds a candle to what was the racial tensions between the Jews and the Samaritans. We have a few hundred years of it, and, and trust me, I'm not diminishing it, but I want you to see, if you understand the division we have in our country, I want you to look at the Samaritans and the Jews and now multiply it by three or four times because that's how many more years their tension existed. The tension between the Jews and the Gentiles went all, or the Jews and the Samaritans, I say Gentiles, because they looked as the, at the Samaritans as just as bad as Gentiles in their opinion. They were considered dogs to the Jewish people. It goes all the way back to the time where the first kings, Rehoboam, D David's son, took the southern kingdom. Jeroboam took the northern kingdom and the ten tribes. And within those ten tribes of Israel, there became intermarrying between them and the lands surrounding them. They were there when the Jewish nation got carried off into Babylon. And when they came back, they had kind of taken more of their land. I mean, there's all kinds of issues. And so even to share a meal in the Jewish tradition with a Samaritan made you unclean. So here Jesus is sitting with a woman, a man with a woman, and not only a woman, a Samaritan woman. Can you see the blocks? Can you see the challenges for this woman to see clearly Jesus? Well, guess what? This isn't the only challenge she has to deal with and Jesus has to deal with. But I'm going to call it this morning the certainties, the things that we know for sure in our lives, or at least we think we do. For her, it was water. Later, for the disciples, it was bread and food, right? Those things that we think we know, we're absolutely certain about, that all of a sudden Jesus turns on a dime. What do we hear? Sir, I can see that you're, right, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? He asks for water and says, if you only knew who was in front of you, and she is confused. Right? I probably would be too. You start talking about living water and we're sitting by a well and you ask me for something to drink. What seems so absolutely certain for some reason stands in this woman's way of seeing the living water that is Jesus right in front of her. Wonder sometimes what are those things that we're so sure about, we're so certain of, that God's trying to actually show us his life and something about himself, but what we're so sure and certain of doesn't, it clouds our perspective. It doesn't allow us to see. Well, she's, again, not done. We get to the story that I think many of us, if we've heard this story, are familiar with. Jesus says, go, right? Go get your husband. And what does she say? You're right when you say, I have no husband. And the fact is, Jesus says, I, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. This whole story happens at noon. Why? Because this woman in her own community is an outcast. See, she's not just a Samaritan woman. In her own community, she's an outcast coming at noon. Women who often went to the well to get water would go at the early day or the late day. They would not go at midday, not at the hottest point of the day, which means she was avoiding all of the looks. She was avoiding all of the, the words behind your back. She was avoiding anyone and everyone just trying to get out of there as fast as she could. Why? Because she had a past. Right? Oftentimes our failures, our mistakes, the brokenness that we participate in or the brokenness that has happened to us. We have to be careful in this text not to read in too far of what all of those five marriages have. We don't know. She could have had a husband die. She could have, we just know that she has a story and she has a past. And that past isolated her from her own people and even isolated her, I would say, from herself. It caused her to not be able to see clearly. 
She woke up today wanting to get water and do it as fast as she could. <laughs> she did not anticipate having a conversation with a man who becomes, who's a prophet. I see that you know all of these things, who would later be to her the savior of the world. So, I love this next part, right? She's, Jesus talks to her about her, her, her stuff, her past, and I've had this happen. When you start touching on the stuff that cuts to the heart, people like to then avoid the conversation. They like to change the conversation. And if you're a pastor or a teacher or a leader in that way, they like to then go to some theological conversation that they know they can hijack you on because we're kind of nerds and we'll go along that pathway, right? And she does that. She does it brilliantly. All right, you're cutting to the heart. You're, you're cutting to my morality. You're cutting to the thing that brings shame in my life and separates me. I don't want to play that game. So let's talk about where we worship, right? Today we say, let's talk about, so do you use guitars and drums or do you use an organ, right? Let's, let's find the thing that certainly separates us, especially as Jews and Samaritans, right? The mountain we worship on, Mount Gerizim in Samaria or Jerusalem, right? And here's what we hear, sir, I can see you're a prophet. So she acknowledges Jesus has some ability. It captures her mind. So she quickly, though, changes the conversation. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem, right? Let's go to the thing that divides us. Let's, let's take you off course and off track. And again, what do we see? But these are issues, these are things in our lives that make it difficult for her to comprehend who this Jesus is. Make it difficult for her to see the living water that was right there in front of her face. Made it difficult for her to see the God who had come as a man to bring life and salvation. My question for us this morning is this. What kind of circumstances, situations, or questions and made it difficult for you to see Jesus and experience his life. What are the things? See, this isn't just a story about this Samaritan woman. This is a story about us. And while this, this is her list this morning, it certainly isn't an exhaustive list, but it's certainly extensive, isn't it? I mean, those five keys, while well, we brought them up as four, those five keys, think about this. I mean, race, gender, religion, I mean, morality, these are all huge things. And in this moment, this is, this is a mountain standing in her way. And for us, we have those same mountains standing in our way, keeping us from the life that is present, that has come and is here in Jesus. What is it that's standing in your way? Maybe it's emotions. Sometimes, I, I don't know about you, my emotions carry me away and don't allow me to see clearly. Maybe it's sometimes my family, right? Anybody ever have family issues? <laughs> right? No, we don't. Kendra and I have, our, our family issues were um, because she's been trying to tell me I should watch Ted Lasso on, uh, on Apple TV, right? We finally caved last night, not because she told me to, but because I, I read this cool article that referred to Ted Lasso, so I thought I should watch Ted Lasso. Ooh, bad move, Aaron. But I admit, I need Jesus. <laughs> I love my wife and I don't always do it well, right? <laughs> what is it that stands in our way of seeing us, our family, our relationships? Is it our own past morality, religious conversations? What is it that doesn't allow us to see? Because the things that limit us, though, I mean, here's the good news for us today. The things that limit us, that challenge our seeing and seeing things clearly. And these are all important things. We never see Jesus condescend her, put her down, or tell her her questions are dumb. Right? We see in Jesus grace. We see in Jesus living mercy and compassion and kindness. Right? Jesus engages this woman. Right? He, 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 he comes to her despite all of the religious uh, challenges to that or all of the, the impurity he would have taken on himself. He breaks down the stereotypes. He breaks down the different cultural barriers. He doesn't care. Jesus engages her. That's a grace 
to her, and it's a grace to us. Because the things that limit us do not limit him from revealing himself to us and his love for us. Another thing that he does is he takes this woman actually seriously and treats her as a person. Being a woman who simply today got up and said, I just need to go, to wa- go get water, and you know what? In all reality, probably dreaded it. Was trying to avoid people, not find somebody to talk to. Today was a day like any old day. She wasn't, she wasn't thinking that her life was going to change, that anything was going to be different. She wasn't looking for the next self-help book on, on the store line to get better. She was, she was simply going, let me do my job, get out of here as soon as I can. And yet, here was somebody in a world where she was pushed to the outside. Here was somebody who would engage her and treat her as a person would take her seriously. Like I said a moment ago, he didn't tell her her questions were done. He stuck with her in them and continued to cut through them to get to the heart. Why? Because the things that limit us do not limit him. And what does he do? He gives this woman and her community time. Like if, it, if it was something that, you know, just, just by talking to her, just by being with her, sharing this water with her would have made him impure. Think about the fact that he spends two days with them. So he didn't just stay at their table. He slept in their house. But none of that mattered to Jesus, the living water, to Jesus who is, as we hear in the scripture today, the Messiah, to Jesus who is the Savior the healer, that's what Savior means, the healer of the world. The things that limit us do not limit him. And what do we see happen? Let's go back to the scripture this morning, John 4. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him. They put their trust in him. They didn't just wrap it in their brain. They didn't just get it cognitively. They got it experientially as well. They believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. I would think if she was with us this morning, it would have dot, dot, dot. He told me everything I ever did, and he loved me. And that was enough of a, te- uh, of a testimony that, that there were many who believed. But listen to this. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. He stayed two days. And because of his words, what? Many more became believers. So many believed because of her testimony. A woman who wanted to avoid everyone ends up bringing a testimony to, those, to others who were on the outside from a Jewish perspective who are on the outside looking in. And then when, when they interacted with Jesus and Jesus stayed with them, many more believed. So not only did many believe because of her testimony, many more believed. Why? Because they experienced this Jesus. And then they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. Right? We hear it and we know. And the word for no means we we get it. Again, I said it just a moment ago, cognitively and experientially. We get it at the heart level and the head level. We know this Jesus. And then what's really unique right here, we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Only one other time in in the New Testament do we see Jesus being called this particular title, savior of the world. It's in First John. <laughs> yeah, ironically, here you go. Yeah, there's John. <laughs> Where is it again? Well, First uh, John, because he wrote that book too. But let's hear that, 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 that moment, that place where Jesus, again, is referred to as Savior of the world. This is how God showed his love for us, First John 4, verse 9. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might, what? Live through him. What did this Samaritan woman, what did this Samaritan village receive? Life. Then later in verse 13 and 14, we hear, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. We didn't even get to touch on that part of the text today. Jesus says, by the way, there, there will come a day where you'll worship in spirit, right? In spirit. 
that I'm with you, God is present with you, but there, when I leave, I'm not leaving you alone because my presence will remain with you. It won't, won't matter what mountain you're on because I will be with you wherever you are. <laughs> Jesus doesn't just simply engage us. He comes and moves into our life and dwells with us. He's given us a spirit. Verse 14, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be what? The Savior of the world. Savior, healer, the salve. This woman needed that healing salve. The Samaritan village and their multitude of things that, that got in the way for them of seeing Jesus in his life needed a healing salve, needed saving. You know, just again, some verses before in John 3. While he's not called Savior of the world, John does make the point that he saves the world. And we hear these great verses again in the scripture that those even, uh, you know, <laughs> if we had a full stadium for the Super Bowl today, I'm sure somebody would be holding a sign, John 3:16, right? You know it's going to pop up somewhere, some way. But it is certainly more than a cliche. It is a truth for all of us. It is good news. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him well, shall not perish but have eternal life. What did 1 John 4 say? We have life through him. What does this woman receive? Life in him. That where she was limited, that did not limit Jesus. And it does not limit Jesus from coming into our lives. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, right? He didn't criticize her. He didn't put her down any further than what she was. He lifted her up. He came to save the world, right? That God sent his son to save the world through him. So as we think about this good news, how does knowing that the things that may limit our knowing and understanding of Jesus, these things do not limit Jesus from seeing, knowing, and even loving us, right? The tension, we all have our stuff. We all have things that block us. And I'm not saying these are bad things. I love having religious conversations. I'm not saying that our, being male, female, and dealing with all gender, like, that this is a bad thing. I'm not saying any that our, our culture, where you grew up, if you're Dutch, if you're German, if you're um, from South Africa, I... All these things are great things. But what happens often is if we start with those in mind, there is a difficulty to seeing Jesus. But when we start with Jesus at the center and bring that back around, it changes every conversation. The Jews and Samaritans had a thousand years of round and round conversations. And it's not until Jesus comes in that it changes the whole conversation for him. Doesn't let their limits limit him from showing his life. If I can end, I just want to end with uh, a writing. Uh, if you follow the blog the, that goes out each week and, and you see some of the extra, the extra stuff that Bill and I have put out, this is there. Um, it's a, just a little longer quote, but it's from Deborah J. Cap. And again, I think she just summarizes a lot of what we've talked about this morning in saying this. But this text is good news. It's good news for anyone who has ever felt the humiliation of stigmatization or the pain of being a nobody. I don't know about you, but I've felt that pain of being a nobody. I deal with that. I think Satan tries to isolate us again and separate us. But this is good news for anybody who's ever felt the humiliation of stigmatization, the pain of being a nobody, because Jesus does not turn away from this woman. Jesus doesn't turn away from us. On the contrary, he engages her in conversation, takes her seriously, spends several days in her village. The woman, her community, and their welfare matter to Jesus, whether they're nobodies or not. That's good news. The things that limit our seeing do not limit the living water, Jesus. Do not limit the Messiah. Do not limit the Savior of the world from showing his love and his life to us. May that be so for each of us today. Be encouraged in that good news. Live in that good news. Let's pray. God, thank you that, again, 
that which sometimes covers our ability to see, distracts us or gets in the way or keeps us in conversations that just seem we can't seem to ever get out of. Like those limits, God, that those limits do not limit you. Thank you, Lord, for your scriptures. The scriptures as a whole is they are a well for us of living water because they are your story. They show us again how, God, you are bringing good things. You are bringing life. You are making all things new. That you have chosen to make this woman new, Lord. You have shown how powerful and amazing your grace and mercy, your compassion, your kindness truly is. God, I pray that we would be able to experience and see that this morning. Pray that each of us would be able to I'd be able to see the things that stand in our way. Lord, that we would understand the, the questions that, God, it's a beautiful thing. We can ask you those questions. It's, it's not that you, you condescend us or put us down for those questions or those limits. But God, that we would not let have those limits be the limiting factor for you, God, that we would experience your unlimited grace, love, favor, and life. And as we engage you, that that life would then begin to reframe the pieces of our lives, the components, those situations, those circumstances. Continue to move through your Holy Spirit. And again, God, thank you for your presence with us. That it's not about a place, it's not about a space, but it's about a God who is with us. So God, encourage us in that truth today. Continue to challenge us in the places that need to be challenged, but breathe your life into us. For God, we cannot exist without your life and your love. We pray these prayers, Lord, and many more prayers in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and all God's children said. Amen. Amen. We invite you to stand and worship.
with these words. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Amen. Go in peace. God of my future, you write my story.